This is not supposed to be an episode entirely about MK Ultra, but MK Ultra is in it. Nor is it a TV review episode about Stranger Things, which is kind of about MK Ultra, at least in the first season. I mean, Stranger Things is pretty good. Isn't it though? I love it. This is also not an episode about Charlie Masson, but Charlie Masson is also in it. It's not about the KGB, but the KGB is in it too. Nor is it an episode about the Korean War which people want to forget about, but I'm not sure they know why. I think we're going to tell them why. At least what we think about it, yes. It's a crazy story, but, I mean, what are we going to say? The 20th century was a crazy century. We went from World War II to how much LSD does it take to kill an elephant to the Beach Boys' friendship with Charlie Manson to biological warfare and we've done episodes about half of these things, which probably says something about us. But in any case, this episode is about the other half of those things. But it will all fit together. I'm not convinced, but... <laughs> what would you think if someone stopped you on the street and started talking to you about LSD, the CIA, the KGB, the Beach Boys, and germ warfare? See, we can be that crazy guy on the street. I think we should do it. Do we have to? <laughs> <laughs> no, we could have skipped all of the stupid, crazy things that we did since World War II, but we did not. So why should we skip this one? Maybe it's going to be different this time. Yeah, that's what I say every time. <laughs> I suppose all of this makes the most sense chronologically. So let's think back to the end of World War II. The U.S. and Western Europe are victorious and would very much like to forget that the Soviets and the Chinese are also victorious. So those countries started a proxy war with each other immediately after World War II because, well, at the end of the day, I suppose wars tend to glorify themselves. Yeah, and Korea became the first battleground of the New World War. That's what the Truman administration in the U.S. thought was happening. The Germans had started the two previous world wars to try to establish themselves as the great power in the world. The Germans were trying to impose a nationalistic ideology, but this was different. Yes, World War III was going to be a collaborative effort. Not one nation trying to subdue the others, but ideologies trying to subdue other ideologies. And we're, of course, talking about capital versus socialism. Yes, and the part of the Korean War relevant to our story is how military commanders tried to establish themselves as political figures while still retaining their military command. Douglas MacArthur was the U.S. figure most prominent in this regard. He promoted himself as much as he commanded the U.S. Pacific forces from Japan. Some examples. He thought that he should have the authority to use nuclear weapons without political approval. He refused to meet the president of the United States in America and required that Truman travel to Wake Island to meet him there. I mean... Yes, it should be noted, too, that U.S. intelligence at this time was not doing a very good job. Any more of a good job than it was doing prior to Pearl Harbor. So right up until the invasion of South Korea by the North Koreans, the American intelligence service insisted that there was no invasion threat. 
despite knowledge of massive movements of soldiers toward the border zone. So all of the victorious World War II countries had convinced themselves that the Soviets were going to invade Europe. So they were getting ready for a European invasion, and they did not want to hear anything else. So the U.S. was horribly unprepared for the invasion of South Korea, just as it had been horribly unprepared for the attack on Hawaii. There were stories of tape being used to fix helicopter blades. Tanks were taken from ornamental displays on military bases and repaired to be sent to Korea. And the first U.S. fighter jet was technically inferior to the Soviet equivalent. The only thing that saved this mess was the more experienced American military pilots who had already fought an air war on two continents during World War II and the larger fleet of American bombers. And all of this added up to a problem. If you are an American officer with significant flying experience who is told that he can't fly anymore... You're in an office coordinating the air war, but the only person who's going to get the glory is one of your pilots. You're just a guy behind a desk if you've been promoted that high. So naturally, there is a military commander that decides to ignore the rules, saying he can't fly anymore, and he flies anyway. Colonel Frank Schwabel was an accomplished pilot. He had pioneered many night flight procedures and processes for the military before he became a career military officer. And he wasn't supposed to be flying over Korea because he was a commander likely to be promoted to the rank of general, but he flew anyway and got shot down. The Chinese army immediately realized the importance of the person they had captured, and they subjected him to a series of torture techniques to get him to confess to the rumor that the United States was using biological weapons in Korea. For instance, he was forced to live in a hole in a hillside, then moved into a room too small for him to lie down and sleep in, then later forced to live in a muddy tent and ride for 11 hours per day while suffering from dysentery. All of this until they got the confession they wanted from Schwabel that the United States had used biological weapons in Korea indeed. And the biological weapon confession they wanted probably was not true, to clarify. The numbers just don't add up. The Chinese were complaining about 16 soldiers who had died of plague, supposedly. Which, I mean, we're talking about trench warfare here by this point. They could just as easily be getting sick from the unsanitary conditions of living in a dirt trench for weeks or months at a time. Yeah, and 16 Plus, is not such a big number, let's be honest. No, it's I not mean... a big number at all. And if anybody's still on the fence, many decades later, documents turned up at the KGB... Uh, had been planning the PR around this biological weapon accusation the whole time. So, yeah, it was a planned deal on the uh, part of the Chinese military and the KGB just to stir up drama at the UN. To be honest, this follows the track we've seen in many of our other episodes. Like, whenever there's really a very easy to pinpoint to, like a really bad guy, easy to... It's always the KGB, it seems. Like, they're involved yes. in everything. I mean, they're good at PR. That's, you know, that's... Uh, they, it's called propaganda, Neil. Let's not, <laughs> let's not throw a bad vibe on PR. I'm a PR person, okay? So PR is fine. Propaganda is bad. Okay. Sandra's good at PR, and uh, the KGB is good at propaganda. Okay. But in any case... <laughs> The bigger result of this ordeal was the media controversy in the U.S. about how soldiers had confessed to things 
that their Chinese and North Korean captors wanted them to confess to, hence the term brainwashing, which was created at this time to try to explain away why American soldiers had made these confessions. I mean, why didn't torture work? Like, they were tortured. I would say anything. I mean, obviously, if somebody's threatening to pull my nails or poke my eyes out, I'm going to tell them what I haven't done, right? I mean, I think it's a case of the American... Oh, like our soldiers are so strong and they would never, not even That's under it. the they rest. Had... Like, oh, like, like kind of yes. like... Toxic masculinity wrapped in like macho, I don't know, something like, oh, our soldiers are robots. They would never. I mean, it was a very ideological thing that, oh, no, our super soldiers who just won World War II are incapable of betraying the world's greatest country. That was the ideology at the time. And yes, they had to figure out a way to explain this because... It was a threat to the ideology, which may have been what the KGB had in mind all along. But there had to be a term, and brainwashing was the term they came up with, so that was the explanation. Yes, and the media controversy around this new phenomenon of brainwashing was fueled by Schwabel's fellow Marine commanders, a general named Lemuel Shepard, who would later be on the Joint Chiefs of Staff and get the Marine Corps established as its own branch of the U.S. military, insisted on formally accusing Schwabel of sedition for his tortured confession. So just like Schwabel was arguably promoting himself a bit by flying those missions that he was not supposed to fly, so was Shepard promoting himself at Schwabel's expense by suggesting that Schwabel was somehow a lesser soldier for his confessions under torture. So is this basically a PR political power struggle between these two guys in the media? Yes, I would say so. But if I were to take a side, I would pick Schwabel just because I think the guy was so passionate about planes and wanting to fight. Like he was not a coward, right? I mean, he was not supposed to fly, but he did. But I don't think his intentions were bad. Whereas this other guy implying that a prisoner of war is like less of a soldier because he confessed under torture. To me, that's bad. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. And I think most people, given all of the information, would probably agree with your assessment, but that is going to be problematic as we go through this episode. So, <laughs> Yes, and the doctor who argued on Schwabel's behalf, saying that he was helplessly brainwashed, was a psychiatrist named Louis West. A couple of years later, an Air Force enlisted man named Jimmy Shaver abducted a three-year-old girl from a parking lot outside of a bar near San Antonio, Texas. He raped and killed her shortly afterward. Shaver said he had no memory of what he had done, despite being covered in blood when he was arrested near the girl's dead body. He was examined by the base psychiatrist who confirmed that he was suffering from amnesia, but was sane enough to stand trial. And... He was tried, convicted, and later executed for the murder. The psychiatrist from the Air Force base who examined Shaver and declared him fit to stand trial was Dr. Louis West. Shortly after the Shaver murder was wrapped up, a man with no tenured professorship was given the chair of the psychiatry department at the University of Oklahoma. While he was there, an experiment he organized involved giving an adult male elephant so much LSD that the elephant had a psychotic breakdown and died 
from the drug overdose. Bizarrely, to try and prove that the drug would not kill an elephant, psychiatry professors at UCLA's medical center later reproduced the experiment on two other elephants who thankfully survived, but were very confused, we are told, for several hours. This is so disturbing. Like, you guys know, and Neil knows how I feel about animals, and this is just uh, infuriating. I don't know, but I think... Why? I mean, what kind of... It doesn't make any sense scientifically or otherwise. Why LSD to elephants? Like, why? It's it's insane. This is crazy. It's insane. It makes no sense whatsoever. The only thing that matters is who did this to these elephants? Well, the man who killed the elephant with the massive dose of LSD was our boy, Dr. Louis West, again. Yes. And after the truce that ended the Korean War... The U.S. almost immediately wound up involved in the Vietnam conflict, during which, as we all know, there was a failed U.S. invasion of Cuba and the assassination of President John Kennedy. And as if that were not drama enough, the accused Kennedy assassin was himself assassinated by Jack Ruby a few days later on live TV. Jack Ruby had a psychotic breakdown while in prison which left him unable to give any information of value to the commission appointed by Congress to investigate the Kennedy assassination. And the doctor who examined Jack Ruby shortly before his psychotic break was Dr. Louis West. In the late 1960s, a free health clinic was opened in the Haight-Ashbury District in San Francisco, the birthplace of the hippie movement. And the clinic offered both drugs and a free place to stay to anyone who needed either one of those things. Initially, they only offered the people staying there LSD. But later, they offered them methamphetamines as well. Is it still open? No. (laughs) Predictably, the methamphetamines caused a bit of a dark turn. But some of the people at the clinic were... Charlie Manson and the steady stream of teenage girls he recruited into his cult, quote unquote, family. And the doctor coordinating the grad students who were supposed to take notes on the clinic's residence was Dr. Louis West. In July of 1974, the granddaughter of news publishing billionaire William Randolph Hearst was kidnapped from her apartment in Berkeley, which is very near to San Francisco. She later was found to be a prisoner of the Symbionese Liberation Army. It was a sort of leftist guerrilla movement that hung around U.S. cities in those days in the 60s. But was she really a prisoner? She's on film participating in a bank robbery, uh, in store robberies, kidnapping, and she admitted after her arrest to helping make explosives for the SLA. She was convicted of the bank robbery, and the court appointed a psychiatrist during her trial for the bank robbery to evaluate Patty Hearst's mental state. The doctor went so far as to write a newspaper article after her conviction urging President Jimmy Carter at the time to pardon her. And the psychiatrist 
was Dr. Lewis West. And while he wasn't specifically a subject of Dr. West, the Unabomber Ted Kaczynski was the subject of a different MK Ultra psychiatrist in the 1950s at Harvard. We'll link an Atlantic article from a classmate of Kaczynski's from the early 1950s at Harvard who offers another way of looking at all of this. And look, I was just going to say, um, you know, about Patty Hearst, we also have the Stockholm Syndrome, so that could have been what caused her, you know, connection to the quote-unquote kidnappers. Yes, that was one of the... Uh things mentioned yes by but dr this west psychiatrist yeah i was gonna say this dr west i mean obviously our listeners so far realize that he's kind of everywhere where weird things are happening if it was the biggest story in a decade because of some terrible thing that happened you are only gonna have to look as far as page two or page three to find dr lewis west Maybe not initially, but you know, years later, decades later, you're going to find his name in there somewhere. The article that Sandra mentioned is really a fantastic article, and it does a pretty good job of piecing together what I was thinking when I was preparing this episode. Um, for those unfamiliar who listen to us from other countries, the Unabomber was one of the U.S.'s most wanted terrorists for several decades, and he was from the U.S. He's a American guy. He sent bombs in the mail that killed or permanently injured several people, most of whom were either university professors or airline employees, hence the term Unabomber. The Atlantic article was written by a man named Alton Chase, and he describes the curriculum at Harvard when he was there as a classmate of Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber. He said that Harvard created a sort of deliberate confrontation between the sciences and the humanities at the time. The idea was that students would learn a broad selection of disciplines as undergraduates and then do something more specialized when they worked on their master's degrees or PhDs. And this was a nationwide effort that came all the way from the Truman administration. But the reality at Harvard was that their professors saw it as a competition between disciplines for the students' attention, which led some of the students to perceive the university itself as a sort of conflict between sciences and the humanities in which they had to pick a side to fight on. And when you mix that with the egos of kids who have been told their whole lives that they are the world's future leaders, that's got to be at the very least concerning at, at worst the recipe for disaster. Yes, it was in the Unabomber's case. So he was recruited into an experiment paid for by the CIA and run by a Harvard professor in which he was subjected to the same sort of psychological abuse that the soldiers in Korea would have been subject to. They didn't make him live in mud and get dysentery and go for weeks at a time without bathing or sleeping. So there was no physical torture, but psychological abuse, yes. And this had a profound effect on him. He was one of the kids who just could not wrap his head around why this was being done to him. As the author of the article we're quoting from The Atlantic said, you know, some of the kids 
embraced the mostly humanities teaching that morality was relative and that they could take what they wanted from their classes. And on the other hand, some of the kids just could not see it that way. To them, there had to be a right answer and a good guy and a bad guy in every situation. Yeah, so they kind of saw the world like in black or white. There was no gray, right? Right. Yeah, and look, the Unabomber was one of those kids who had to choose sides. And he was angry at his parents for putting him through this rigorous upbringing and then dumping him on abusive CIA-funded Harvard professors. But he was also angry at the world for privileging an ideology that would drive people to treat each other as he had been treated in the name of technological advancement too. And because he had to find the right answer and the right thing to do, he decided that the right answer was to become the Unabomber. And these two people, the Unabomber and Dr. Lewis West, share some common traits that not many others who have talked and written about MK Ultra have touched on, to my knowledge. This is why I wanted to do this episode. I know that lots has been written and said about MK Ultra over the years. But to me, the Unabomber and Dr. West are basically the yin and yang of the American Cold War era. I don't think that Lewis West was just a random CIA guy doing whatever nefarious thing that the bosses in Langley, Virginia told him to do. No, he wasn't. He published quite a few academic papers uh, that were not classified in any way. And he spent some effort establishing himself as an expert on cult behavior, too. For example, Louis West was a notable critic of Scientology long before anyone else had them on their radar as a dangerous cult. Yes. So he wasn't entirely just a CIA bad guy, which is to say... Perhaps West saw the CIA as a means to an end. He was still doing legitimate scientific studies in his mind uh, part of the time. Yeah, this is why I subscribe to the view of the world where things are not either black or white. They can be gray. So Exactly. And this is one of those things. West was able to get funding by his association with the CIA that other people would have struggled to find. He also had the authorization to do experiments that others could not do. Yeah, but see, some of those research projects resulted in the execution of elephants and the rape and murder of a child, so... Uh... Yes, they did. I'm not saying that they were necessarily good. I'm saying that West thought he was doing good. He thought he was doing important work for all of the noble scientific reasons that people commonly attribute to legitimate scientific work. And regardless of what we think, a lot of people thought that persecuting anyone who challenged the Cold War status quo was a good thing to do. I mean, the Los Angeles County prosecutor, for instance, who got famous for the convictions of Charlie Manson and his family after their murders made his initial political fame by prosecuting campus protesters who were protesting the Vietnam War. That was when Reagan was governor of California. Obviously, people who vote for a guy like Reagan like 
prosecuting protesters as criminals. Yeah, and what about the Unabomber, though? Was he blowing people up for the good of the world, too? I mean... <laughs> no, but in his mind, he was. Yeah. And he's not alone. I mean, there's lots of people who agree with him in theory, if not by his methods. Ugh. I mean, eight billionaires own half of the world's wealth today, and four of the eight are tech guys who have made that money in the past 25 years. And that was the Unabomber's whole thing. His whole ideology was that technological advancement is going to ruin the world. And, I mean, six of those eight billionaires that own half of the world are Americans. So is global technocracy really better than the world that the Unabomber grew up in in the 1950s. I mean... Well, honestly, I mean, I don't know. I think it's much better. Like, yes, yes, I'm going to pick American technocracy over blowing up buildings with innocent people. In the That's insane, yes. I mean, I don't know. It's it's just crazy. These guys were... I feel like Dr. West, whatever he's involved with, it always goes into a disaster at the end. Yes, and whatever the Unabomber did was also uh, a disaster in the end. I mean, he was, yes, he's a terrorist. Yeah, yeah. They are both products of the same experiment. That's the fascinating thing about all this. Arguments can be made, maybe not in favor, but arguments can be made in defense, I suppose, of either one of these guys. That's the crazy thing about all of this. I mean, look at where we live now. I mean, Dr. West was the fixer. He was the guy that was supposed to protect the path that the American empire had set itself on after World War II. But where is it now? You know, it's like everybody's moved to the suburbs. Everybody drives around in gas-guzzling vehicles. And every day we're told by our Amazon robot, that there's an air quality alert, but we're all going to get in our gas-guzzling vehicles and go drive downtown, even though we don't live downtown. And it can't go on forever. So in that respect, the Unabomber's not wrong. He's wrong to blow people up, yes, but he's not wrong in his assessment that we can't keep doing what we're doing. And we're is it going to end? I don't know. Yeah, but like many people, look, I believe that what we're doing is wrong as well, like climate change. We are messing up the planet. This is what we are doing to ourselves. On the other hand, there's a big difference between that and being the Unabomber. You know what I mean? Like, I get I get what you're saying. Like, I get it. Like, it maybe initially the idea he had, if it was theoretical and if you had used it for like, I don't know, like a dissertation paper to explain all of this, that would have been fine. But he went ahead and did other things and killed people. So that's where... That's where, like, I'm curious to see how Dr. West exactly, you know, like... That's it, is the other side of the coin here, the yin to the yang, would say that in Dr. West's case, then coming up with experiments to put soldiers through or put intelligence agents through to teach them how to resist torture at the hands of a captor if they're captured in a battleground situation, it's fine. 
That's a thing that a military needs to do or that an intelligence service needs they to do. They are already doing it, Neil. I think they yes. are. Yes. Yeah. They have to. Yes. They I have mean, to. you have all to countries, have all countries yes. train their foreign yes. agents. All yeah. countries. You have to have a field manual that tells soldiers what to do if you're captured. That was one of the things that came out of the Korean War after all of these brainwashing uh, controversies came up was there was a field manual. But just like the Unabomber, with Dr. West, you have to say, okay, that's fine. But when you are to the point that you are taking an elephant from the zoo and pumping him full of acid and making him have a psychotic breakdown and die, you have gone too far. No, definitely. That's just something I, do. I don't get it. Like, it's the and craziest part. when you are part. pumping Charlie Manson and his teenage girls full of crystal meth and sending them out to murder people on the highway and steal their cars or murder Sharon Tate and random other celebrities in her house, you have also gone too far. Yeah, I, I, do we know that he actually sent them to do that, or do we know that he just experimented on them and no, then they went... No, it wasn't went, directly. Like, it wasn't yeah. directly. It was providing the drugs and observing what they did after they gave them the drugs. Yeah, but, but it was enough I mean, to... But then again, you know, that's it. It's, if you got a clinic that said has a big sign on the door that says, free drugs and you can sleep here, it's going to be a popular clinic. Yeah, yeah, I would say. I mean, now we know what happens when you give people an abundance of methamphetamines. They go crazy and somebody's going to wind up dead. That is... Yeah. Well, it's knowledge now, but that's how we learned it. From Charlie Manson. I mean, people know who Dr. West is. If they listen to a lot of podcasts, I'm sure. And people surely know who the Unabomber is. We saw him on TV every few weeks when we were kids in the U.S. But I don't know that a lot of people know how similar they are and how close their paths were to crossing. So that's the fascinating thing in all this stuff. Both of them may be correct, just at different times. So... Dr. West was correct in that the U.S. was going to prevail and the Soviet Union was going to fall apart and Marxism was going to fall apart and, you know, sort of capitalist technocracy was going to be the way forward. That happened. On the other hand, today... In 2022, I mean, we hear from people here in Texas that they are quitting their jobs because they cannot pay for the gas to drive to work anymore. Even crazier than the fact that these two guys were involved in the same obscure CIA program and just polar opposites of each other. Also, that they're both, in a way of looking at it, correct in their assessments. I think this is a very big debate and discussion because I do feel like, I, I don't know, I don't see them as connected as you do or like as... I just think it was a weird set of circumstances and definitely the whole experiment side of it, like, I mean, Dr. West has his ideas of his scientific experiments. And yes, I, I guess he was trying to, you know, to find good results and go on a scientific path and stuff, but it went all wrong. And the Unabomber, he was not definitely his right mind, let's be honest. I don't know if it was because of the experiments or he was just a crazy you're going to have to edit that out. But either way, I don't see them as connected as you do. I do see how Dr. West is everywhere, though, and that's worrying. Like in every story we talk about, Dr. West is right there. So the Unabomber, 
to get a bit more detail into his background, I suppose. The Unabomber did graduate, and he did go to grad school. I mean, he was one of these genius kids that went to Harvard as a math student when he was 16 years old because high school had nothing left to offer him. And he graduated, he finished grad school, and he was a professor for a short period of time. And his students liked him. His, I mean, his students said he was a good professor. So there was nothing wrong with him in his 20s or early 30s when he decided that it was time to move to Montana and start making mail bombs and murdering people through the mail. That's the thing is there was nothing to suggest that there was anything wrong with him. To him, this was a rational decision. If he was part of some weird experiments and then like his brain went haywire, I mean, and started writing all kinds of things and justifying them, that doesn't mean it was rational. Do you know what I mean? You see, this is why I think all of this gets to your idea of doing an episode of whether or not we live in a simulation. Well, the biggest scientists of the world, yeah, Neil deGrasse Tyson agrees, like basically the biggest brains we have on this planet agree that we do live in a simulated reality, so. So on our two guys, Dr. West and the Unabomber. See, I'm trying to keep you from falling into the same trap. I'm not saying that one is good and one is not. I'm saying that they are yin and yang. One secret government project created both of these guys. That's why they're inseparable to me. It's not good to move to Montana and start mailing people bombs, blowing up professors and computer store owners. It's also not good to pump an elephant full of so much LSD that it has a psychotic break and dies. It's also not good to give Charlie Manson and his delinquent teenage girls enough in the way of methamphetamines that they graduate from stealing cars and robbing stores to murdering prominent celebrities. None of it is good. But the same mentality, the same project, the same desires on the part of our secret government organizations created them both. None of it is good. And look, I think it's best that instead of telling people about episodes that are not recorded and that we are planning to record in the near future and, you know, about Neil deGrasse Tyson and other scientists and whatever, I think it's best to tell them about our premium episodes that are existing at this moment and there are a bunch of them. And look, if you guys want to support our podcast and get these premium episodes, please become a patron by clicking on the link in the episode notes or by going to dbspot.com and there's a become a patron button there. And the best part is that the sign up process is easy, very, very easy. It takes you like five seconds and it's not the usual hassle because we don't use Patreon. And you will get those episodes plus our public episodes ad free. Yes, and by the way, this reminds me, because we have a lot of fans in Finland. Hello, Finland. How are our people in Finland doing? Resting comfortably atop the list of happiest people on the planet, according to the polls. Yes, in any case. as they should be. I mean, there is the Russia threat, though, but I think we're going to see them in NATO really fast. Hopefully, yes. yes. I know I've said before that it is fascinating to me that we have a century of world wars uh, with modern military hardware that resulted in more destruction and more loss of life than 
the medieval or renaissance armies could have even dreamed of causing. And at the end of it all, it is a handful of psychiatrists and psychologists that are really the most fascinating characters in all of it. So I don't know. We have to do the simulation. The simulation is the little piece of string that ties all this together. Well, I mean, it makes it sound like, like, honestly, it's very scientific. That's the thing. And it's really hard to refute. I was thinking, was the Unabomber basically kind of like a negative mirrored image of Dr. West? I think that's what you were trying to point out, right? Yes. Like he was, yes. Cause In a way. Yeah, because Dr. West was kind of out to like do scientific research and stuff and follow the government line while the Unabomber was out to destroy. And I think MK Ultra if not created, but definitely was involved in both of these people's lives and what they did. It was formative. It was formative for both of them. In the Unabomber's case, because he was subjected to these experiments, which caused his disillusion with all of the American institutions that he decided he had to destroy. In the case of Dr. West, Dr. West was not the typical, you know, sort of wealthy family, Ivy League, Yale, CIA guy. He was from a poor family and he worked his way up into this government agency by being the guy who would do whatever needed done to further the cause, for lack of a better word. And so both of these guys, yes, both of these guys were were formed by this program, which was absolutely insane. So I guess in this podcast, we went from the Freuds, Marilyn Monroe, 20th century psychology, and now MK Ultra, Stranger Things stuff. <laughs> Pretty much, yes. And speaking of all this negative drama and stuff, Neil has the book recommendation for us, guys. Let's hear it. Yes, that's also a negative image because Sandra usually does the books. I was going to say we turned everything upside down like in Stranger <laughs> Things for this episode. The world is turned on its head, yes. We're yeah, trying you know to... how in Stranger Things they yes. turned the upside down? That's what we did for the episode. We turned everything yes. upside down. <laughs> yes, my brain is definitely the upside down. And in this upside down... I'm not going to uh... argue. <laughs> The book recommendation, though, is fantastic, all jokes aside. The name of the book is Chaos, Charles Manson, the CIA, and the Secret History of the 60s by Tom O'Neill. Tom O'Neill was contracted to write a 20-year anniversary article about the Manson family for an entertainment magazine in the late 1990s. The... 20-year anniversary article turned into a 20-year investigation that eventually became a book. And among other things, Tom O'Neill was the first person to review Dr. Lewis West's private papers after his death when those papers were donated to the UCLA library. As it turns out, Dr. West did not do a very good job of obscuring the classified papers he kept personally. They were just stuffed in the boxes with the rest of the stuff. This is a fantastic book, and everybody should read it at least twice. It's the best nonfiction book I've read in the past decade. It is dense with original investigative work, 
and you really got to read it twice so you don't miss anything. So if any of you guys, I mean, look, if you're going to be a uh, true crime podcast multimillionaire or something, this is your textbook, Chaos by Tom O'Neill. Yes, I think, like, look, I do agree, and I did listen to it on Audible because I do listen to my books, but I was going to say, like, the multi-millionaire thing like look we've both read the book and look at us neil we we yes. are not like we're not multi-millionaires let's no, not we're not we're not like even multi-dollar heirs so speaking we, we're of, not yes i have i think 13 dollars in my bank account tell your friends people we need to get these premium episodes out of here and the only way they're gonna be gone is if you tell your friends yes recommend us to your friends guys and yeah no the book is good i have to admit I think that's all we have for this episode. Thank you guys for listening and see you guys next time. 